this morning oh. yourself again. What? I was going to tell you to play Earth, Wind, and Fire. Why? That's the way of the world. What's that got to do with it? Their song. Oh. Do you remember? Yeah. We have to play that. We have to play that at some point. It would be bad luck not to play it. Still. Yes, I'm sure it's bad luck. It would. Welcome to the family with Hackmaster Rob Tommy Basham, MD. Alex Rampernard Rasmussen. A very tired Catherine Brandt. And Andy Rampernard. Why are you tired? Well, my dad's situation. I yeah, didn't sleep oh, you stayed all, up all last night. night. <clears throat> yeah, well, that'll Terry do it. sounded pretty panicky, so it kind of freaked me out. Yeah, I understand. We will be back. Guest up next with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, We're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, how long have you been at KQ? 36 years now. Wow, that's loyalty. Well, if I'm completely honest, it isn't the company that I'm loyal to. It's the listeners. I figured out a long time ago they're the only reason I have a job. Why are you asking? Well, we had another great month at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan. In fact, Burnsville continues to be the number one Nissan store in Minnesota. The loyalty part. Get to the loyalty part. Oh, yeah. This month, if you buy or lease a new Rogue or a Pathfinder from us, we'll give you an extra 500 off as long as you own or are leasing a Nissan. That is cool. Do they have to trade it? Nope. It's just a reward for being loyal. By the way, the new Pathfinder is fantastic. It's got a nine-speed transmission, and JLo says it'll practically pull the building. We also cut a deal with our good buddy Charlie Swenson, who's running a Nissan store in Chicago. He gave us some extra rogues. Because Charlie's such a nice guy. Well, Paul might have threatened him. Sounds like Paul. For details, go to Walzer Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan and claim your loyalty gift. Tommy, give him some Elvis loyalty. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. I get to ruin my life working with Gelf, and way to go, typical. I missed Gelfano. I worked with him for, God, 25 years, something like that. And then he didn't want to get up before noon again. He was a funny guy. He's a very funny guy, very smart guy, too. I learned a lot from him. In any case, Mike Gelf, and, uh, oh, you know, i got to reach out to him to see if he does want to do Thursdays. That would be fun. To have Gelfano on on Thursdays on the podcast. Wouldn't it? We (laughs) have our guest on the phone. Uh, Jason Malak. Do you pronounce your last name Malak, Jason? Yep. Perfect. All right. I wanted to make sure. Adam is God. Eve is us. Strange stories about aliens, angels, and the love of God from the book of Genesis. A funny a fun and funny and insightful conversation with author researcher Jason Malott about the stories of the Bible and the many uh, misdirections of supernatural influences in its pages. Now, uh, when does that first appear, the, the first misdirections of supernatural influence in its pages? When does that first occur in the Bible? Well, I actually see it from the very beginning. Oh, okay. Um, right. I, I see the Bible as a complete, <clears throat> from start to finish, miraculous book. And that's why I, I focus mainly on the book of Genesis, because I see that, you know, the book starts miraculous. And then most of, 
when you look at the story of Jesus, you see nothing but miracles over and over again. And as Christians, you know, we believe in the resurrection, which is also supernatural. It's a miracle. So I wanted to put all those, take all those strange things, those miraculous things, and put them back in the Bible and actually look at them and see them from the perspective that they're leading us to understand that God is a God of love and that he loves us so much that he is the lover that will pursue us. Um, and I just wanted to really, I wanted to show that in my book and um, kind of retell some of these strange stories in a way that we can see it from that perspective. Now, Jason, I grew up uh, a nice little Catholic boy in North Minneapolis, went to St. Joseph's, went to St. Anne's. My mother was a very religious person, not, not, not the type that would try to shove her beliefs down your throat. She believed what she believed. She believed it intently. And therefore, so I kind of grew up around around the Catholic faith, and you know, I I, I do acknowledge there's no question there's there's something a lot bigger than I am, and I, some people just can't face that though, Jason. Why is it that some people can't believe there's something bigger than they are? Well, it's kind of frightening when you think about it. Yeah, it um, is. I, I it, it actually is. It's, it's frightening and it's it's uh, it's humbling. I feel that. Being that I came from a background where I didn't believe in God, I've been a Christian now for about 26 years. I became a Christian while I was in college, actually uh, in the, studying philosophy. And okay. I found that a lot of people that disagreed with a lot of the concepts of God, they, they don't really have a problem with God. They have a problem with the Church. They have a problem with religion. Yeah, they have a problem yeah. with something that somebody said about the Bible. And you, you give a really good example. Um, when people are raised a certain way, it's kind of hard to talk to them about it because a lot of times they they will take that that uh, the teaching they learned as they were raised, and it's almost like a like they tie it to their mom or their dad. And so when you try to talk to them about it, a lot of times it's like, well, no, my mom told me this or my dad told me this. <laughs> Don't tell me otherwise. You know, it it becomes more personal. And I think a lot of times that's the the misunderstanding comes, and I I would absolutely blame it on the church and on us because in a lot of ways. We are telling a story, and this goes back to my book. My book, I'm telling the story of God the way that I see it. From the very beginning of Genesis, it's a story of love. Uh, a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people um, want to tell the story of a, of a God who wants to judge them, a God who wants to throw them in some, you know, some fiery place and torture them in a basement somewhere. Yeah. For I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, that's the story that a lot of times we hear, and it's not true. It's not a true story. Um, I, I give the example of, uh, you know, there's only 22 scriptures in the New Testament that even talk about uh, hell, and 12 of them, it's Jesus talking about the Valley of Hinnon, out of the 7,900 scriptures in the New Testament. Yet, for some reason, Christians find those 22 scriptures the most important thing in the Bible, and it's not. Um, a lot of people have told stories about God destroying the earth because he was upset at um, some people, you know, people, the descendants of Seth, marrying the daughters of Cain, and he just kind of got upset about that, and so he decided to just kill everybody on the earth because sure. of it. That's just ridiculous. That is ridiculous. It is. And this is my thing. I said, if I am to believe in a God of love, I have to see it in this book. And when I went back into the original language, I studied the Hebrew, I studied the Greek, I studied, you know, the last 26 years I've been studying this, and... As time went on, I started realizing that the story of Adam and Eve was a love story from the very beginning of the Bible that carries all the way through until you see the end of the Bible where it's Christ and his church. It's his people. It's God's love story. We're Eve. We are in the story. We're Eve. We're the one being pursued. We're the one that God is his treasure, his love. And God's Adam. He's the one that willingly ate the fruit and died for us. And that's what my book is about, is trying to show that from the very beginning, there was this amazing love story between God and humans. And we've lost a lot of that. And I want to bring it back. So, Jason, why can't people, if they don't want to believe in religion, they don't want to believe in God, why can't they believe there is a higher power of some kind out there that, uh, <laughs> I'm not to say that they're watching over us or anything like that, but there's some, something a lot bigger than I am, than you are. Uh, it has uh, our everybody's best interest in mind, and if you don't want to follow that, that's your decision. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about, Jason. My mother was a very religious Roman Catholic woman. Uh, she loved talking about the Virgin Mary. She thought the Virgin Mary was a great thing because she was a woman, and she, she wanted the female deity. She loved that. 
her whole life, she talked to how important it was to be a Roman Catholic. Didn't shove it down our throats. It's just, hey, mom believes, so I believe, right? That's how I grew up. The greatest moment of my mother's uh, passing for me is the last time I ever saw her. Now, this is a woman who loved the Virgin Mary, loved Jesus, loved God, never shoved it down anyone's throat. But she's on her on uh, on her deathbed, basically, and I knew it was going to be the last time I ever saw her. And I reached out and held her hand, and I said, "Mom, you're going to be okay." She goes, "Well, it's probably the last time I ever see you." I said, "No, no, don't worry about that. You'll I'll see you again." She goes, "No, I think it'll be the last time." And I said, "Well, if it is, if it is the last time I see you, Mom, I will be happy knowing that you finally are sitting there with the Virgin Mary and Jesus and God." And she looks at me, this is the sense of humor she had, Jason. She looks at me and says, yeah, don't give me that. So she believed her in the whole life. But then she got a joke in at the very end by going, yeah, right, whatever. See, I love that, Jason. That's the way I look at religion yeah. through my mother's eyes. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a absolutely it is. beautiful story. And, I, you know, and that's one of the things, let me let me tell you, just, Piggybacking on what you just said, um, let's say, for instance, you go to a, any Sunday service in anywhere, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, and a Muslim person walks in. And let's say they decide, because they liked what was being taught, they want to be a Christian now. They don't want to be Muslim anymore. Now, the guy in the front just told them, unless you believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. Right. So what type of hell have we created for that poor Muslim person who thinks their whole family's going to die and go to hell? You see what I'm saying? Yep. It's yep. interesting because... You see, because we, we, we're telling a story to people, and what we can focus on the love. Like Jesus said that, you know, he lived the world. It wasn't just a certain group of people. And I love, your, I love the, the example you gave of your mom and Virgin Mary. Virgin Mary, I believe, really filled a, a void that the Church was neglecting. Yeah. And the void yep. was an understanding that women and men equally— started the church. Um, the book of Hebrews, many scholars believe, was written by a woman, not a man. But you, you always hear scholars, oh no, it was another work of Paul. No, it wasn't. It's not even in his title. It's not in his handwriting. There were uh, women who ran churches. There were two women, you know, I'm not hinting on anything, but there were two women who were together who actually ran a church. I mean, there's tons of stories about powerful women in the Bible doing amazing things. And for some reason, because, you know, we're misogynistic, basically, as a society in general, we like to not talk about those things. And and that's one of the things, I'm not knocking the Catholic Church, but your, your mom is a very good example. She wanted to <laughs> relate to something that was feminine. And even the, the word Elohim, yes. which is one of the most you know common words used in the Old Testament for God, is feminine. Another thing, <laughs> I'm going to upset some people, but another thing, when he talks about, uh, when Jesus talks about the, when he's looking over Jerusalem and all of his people, and he said, how I long to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. That's a yeah. lot of hers. Yeah, a lot of hers. <laughs> a lot of hers there, which yeah. I love. And I love that. And I 100% when I live at the end of her life, she understood that ultimately it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. Because there is a loving God on the other side. And even past death, I don't believe that's ever the end. I don't believe that God stops. God never stops pursuing. Um, I like how it says in Corinthians, uh, Paul says, oh, death, where is your sting? You know, death's sting has been removed. You know, we don't have to be worried about those things anymore. And I absolutely believe you're going to see it, see her again. Absolutely. That's my faith. How great with that. But I'll tell you one, one, one more quick story. Again, I, I was raised by my mother and my two older sisters, my mother specifically. But... Um, I met this woman named Catherine. She's here today. Our children are both here, Andy and Alex, uh, and our family friend, Dr. Ralph, is here with us. But the thing about that whole deal is I met Catherine, and I wanted to meet. My mother was a very strongly opinionated woman. She, she, she had great strength in the family. I knew if my mother was, was in the house, the family would be taken care of, no matter what she had to do to get that done. We were very, very poor, really poor. But the great part of that whole thing is, is I met this woman, Catherine, and I was also a very, very strong woman like my mother. If it weren't for my mother, my family would have never stayed together. Very strong woman, right? So I wanted to meet this very strong woman. So this woman who's sitting across the table from me right now, I walk into my attorney's office, 
40 years ago, and there's this beautiful young woman sitting at the desk, and she said, uh, hello, and I said, hi, uh, would you tell Mr. Dorfman that Uncle Tom is here? He wasn't, I wasn't his uncle, but I just said Uncle Tom is here. And she picks up the phone and says, <laughs> Mr. Dorfman, Uncle Bob is here. And I said, my name is Tom. And she said, yeah, whatever. I knew I was in love, Jason. I knew I was in love. I wasn't a very good receptionist. <laughs> <laughs> you being no, I think you were the best. <laughs> you were the best receptionist ever, exactly. Exactly. That is the response that, that he warranted. So, yes, great chance. No, it's true. Absolutely. I deserved what I got. <laughs> you know. That, uh, but, but look, Jason, yeah. here's another reason why I believe in what you want to call it, God or a higher power or something bigger than me. I'm sitting here working with my wife, our son, our daughter, and our family friend. What could be better than that? I'm talking to you. We're having a great time. What? Yeah. How is this not a great world? <laughs> I know. Right. And that's the sad thing. Is a lot of times people just don't focus on those things. What you just described, that love you know, that you felt for your wife. I mean, this is what my book is actually about. I actually tell the story about how I met my wife, who I've been married for 26 years to. And... Um, and I try to tell the story of how I feel about my wife and try to put that in the perspective of if I have this type of love for my wife, how much more love does God have for me? There you go. And would I ever want to hurt my wife? Would I ever want to do anything that would not be good to my wife? I want to give her good things. I want her to have a great life. I want her to be healthy. Yep. I want her to be happy. And that's the thing I think people miss, is that that love, that's God. I mean, that's what First John says, you know, God is love. You know, from the very beginning, that love you feel, that is what I feel that, that is a universal love that God wants to reach everyone with, every single person that's ever been born, and that no matter what he has to do, he's going to find a way to do it. And that's what I believe. And absolutely, that feeling, that, you know, I don't understand how... When we live in a world that's so full of so many great things, why we can't focus on those things and just love the beautiful things that we have in our lives instead of focusing on the things that are bad? Because there's a lot of that out there right now. Boy, they sure do love to focus on that right now, too. I never thought I'd see the day, Jason, where people would want to destroy your life because you didn't agree with their politics. I, it's amazing to me that that's happening. It's true. And... Um, it's something that I, I'm writing another book. My next book is going to be called Napalm Puppies, and it's basically a story about the prophets of the Bible. And the prophets had a lot of things to say to countries, nations, that, um, you know, we're doing some of the things that we're doing, and, and especially the division. And, you know, I, I look at the world, everything's being drawn together from molecules. If you look at molecules, they're drawn together. And solar systems, they're drawn together. So from the biggest things to the littlest things, Everything's being drawn together. But for some reason, us here in the middle, you know, little humans here between the space and the molecules, we don't like that. We want to be separate from everyone. We don't want to find things that are similar. I give the example. I have two friends. One is a far left and one is a far right, and they both love Kanye West. But they can't talk about <laughs> Kanye West. <laughs> they want to talk about the things they don't agree with. Right. They both love Kanye West. And one is absolutely far right as you can possibly be, and the other one is as far left as you can possibly be. So I just think it's ridiculous, because we live in a world where a lot of this stuff is divisive, it's evil, it's wrong, and it's something that we need to decide not to do anymore, because it's going to continue until we stop it. Jason, well, there are great lessons to be learned in life. Like, I will not judge somebody based on their religion. There are certain religions I'm not a big fan of, religions that treat people like dirt or religions that treat women differently yeah. from men. I'm, I'm not a fan of that, but I don't want to ruin anybody's life in, the, in this situation. I grew up yeah. uh, I grew up in North Minneapolis, which was, was black, Jewish, and Catholic. That's who, who lived in North Minneapolis. But I do remember mm -hmm. as a little boy, well, 8, 9, 10 years old, I would walk through the neighborhood, and there were certain sidewalks I could not walk on because I was Catholic. And they literally would have would come out and oh, say, wow. "Call you a dirty cat licker, and you can't walk on our sidewalk. This is a this is a Protestant <laughs> sidewalk." Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Wow. So that helped me though. What that did for me, Jason, was instead of me becoming like that, I use it as an example of something I would never do. 
So you could take the negatives and turn them into positives by, by saying, good, you just, yeah. educa- you just educated me. I would never do that to somebody. So it works yeah. out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, what, you know, and that, that is so true. Why do you suppose that religions uh, want to believe in an exclusivity God rather than an inclusivity God? Right, right. <clears throat> well, oh, that's a great question. Be, I, I, I would hope that everyone can hear that question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, that, but that's the, and that we we see that time and time again. You know, if you look at uh, yeah. Jewish people, Muslim people, Christians, in essence, it's the same God. Yet, even within the Christian community, there is a separation that oh, well, you know, if you, unless you believe the way I believe, yep. you're you're yep. you're you're, yeah. you're sunk. You all, know, all Abrahamic religions have all of these little fragments that are like that. Yeah, a so, relative of mine yeah. who is a born again Christian told my Catholic mother she was going to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that, exactly. Well, they believe that Catholics <laughs> are. Um, that's kind of a, a very that's a bold statement for that somebody. A bold statement. <laughs> yeah. She believes it. She one hundred percent believes in that, it. In that, in that, that was when that struck me. Oh, when I was. 12 or 13, whenever you, you, you go through a catechism kind of thing. And they, they presented this thing, you, you, well, we got this, we got this God, and he's a wonderful, wonderful uh, being that uh, loves everything, except anybody that doesn't believe in him the way I believe. And I, <laughs> exactly. and I just go, yeah. I say, well, that's a huge, it's a huge contradiction, a huge inconsistency mm-hmm. in this whole process. So when I started thinking about this, you know, it just never made sense. And I had, a, I just can't. I can't believe in in this in a a being like that or a deity like that yeah. or a supreme being right. or a higher power. Right. It makes yeah. no sense. Yep. Yeah. Oh, exactly. One hundred percent. I agree with you. Um, in my book, I have a the second chapter. It's called "The Idolatry of Christianity," and I basically attack those things um, from the perspective of if you had a son, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a better example. I have a relative who had a son that went to prison. And one of the things that really stuck to him when he read my book was this chapter because I mentioned, would you treat your son any differently if he was, you know, I mean, if he went to prison, if he's a, no, you're going to love him the same. Yes, there is judgment. Yes, there is, you know, I mean, he did something wrong. He needed to go to jail. I mean, that was understandable. But that doesn't change that he's a son. And so in my book, I write about how people for so long have wanted to kind of own this God thing, and they they, they won't let you go to their churches. They want, and I, I, I've run churches before. I've been a youth pastor before. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of things like what you just mentioned. Some you know Protestant person saying your mom's gonna go to hell. But this is what's interesting. So Martin Luther, and he's this kind of unknown guy from back in the day. He kind of started the Protestant Reformation. Um, he said, sorry for the sarcasm, he said, uh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I, my, I, I forget that my crowd sometimes, sorry, uh, but <laughs> Martin Luther basically said uh, that he's not shocked that God will find a way to save people even after death. So Martin Luther, the Protestant Reformation champion, about <laughs> believed differently than how Protestants believe today. Um you know, uh, if, if you know much about church history, there's this really cool guy named uh, Augustine, St. Augustine. Like, people probably talk yep. about him, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't like him. And the one reason I don't like him is that he was buddy-buddy with all the Greek Stoic philosophers, and they were always criticizing the Bible. They're like, you know, that's weird. There's a lot of weird stories. you got talking snakes. you got angels having sex with people. What's going on here? And so Augustine, instead of saying, you know what? The Bible's full of a lot of weird stories. That's what makes it interesting. No, he decided to change those things <laughs> to make them more palatable so people no longer believe the supernatural because he wanted to appease his little Greek Stoic philosopher friends. And so all of this supernatural stuff is pulled out of the Bible, you know, and it, it's changed. It, it, it says, you know, for instance, my example about the angels coming down and having sex with the, with the humans. I mean, that was a story. It's in there. It's a supernatural story. It's supposed to be a supernatural book. That's the way that people view it today. But when you change those things, you kind of take the power out of it. Now, I want to go back to what you said about the a God of inclusion instead of, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that I saw. I, I believe in an inclusive God, absolutely. I believe that no matter what you do, no matter who you are, that God will find a way. God's going to get to you. God is going to chase you down. God is a lover who does not give up. And I know that when you make an, a claim of truth, you have to say other things are a lie, and I understand that. 
Um, I'm not one to criticize other people's religions, but I will say this. If your religion is bringing you hell and not heaven, it's the wrong religion. Right. Because hell is not from God. God doesn't bring hell into your life. If the religion that you're following right now is creating hell in your life, then you should stop. And that's what I believe. And I, whatever it is, Catholic, Protestant, I mean, Pentecostal, <laughs> I, mean, I don't care. I mean, you know, Muslim, uh, Buddhist, I mean, whatever. If your religion is creating hell in your life, it's not from God. And I'm not judging your God. I'm not judging what you believe. I'm just saying, point blank, if you're not finding some form of, of connection with something outside of yourself, if, it's, if you're not finding a connection that's making you want to go out and help people, go do good things, go, go out and be part of the world, a human that wants to make this world a better place, if you're not part of a religion that's doing that, and all it does is teach you to you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, pay your tithes, come to church every Sunday, if that's all they're teaching you, then it's wrong, because that's not what God is about. And I, I read in the that. Bible, I read a book of God that is very, very involved in social issues. Very, very involved in social issues. I mean, Jesus was very involved with the way people were being treated. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he talked about hell, but he talked about hell to the religious people. You guys are the ones that need to worry about it, not these guys. <laughs> yeah, very true. Jason, we've got to take a very quick yeah, break. Can you, can you stay with us for 10 more minutes? And stay here as long as you'd like. Thank Excellent. you. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Jason Malott. Adam is God. Eve is us. Strange stories about aliens, angels, and the love of God from the book of Genesis. Right back with Jason and the family. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender. Listen up, drivers. Are you doing the same thing every day, driving the same hours, making the same money? Well, stop and listen. Priority Courier Experts has a wide range of driving opportunities available right now. So if you're a professional driver or determined to become one, we can show you the benefits of partnering with Priority. Hey, Forrest, can you tell the good drivers of the Twin Cities which vehicles Priority has available in their lease-to-own program? Well, I'd really like my friend Bubba to help me with this. Forest, we have dock trucks, tractor-trailer trucks, flatbed trucks, curtain-side dock trucks, flatbed Moffat trucks, Ford Transit and Transit Connect Vans trucks. Hey, Forrest, shouldn't we have a shrimp truck? Bubba, I think you're on to something there. There you have it. Every kind of vehicle you could imagine, all doing same-day deliveries in town. Call Priority right now, and we'll get you on the road. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Mom finally got Earth, Wind, and Fire. (laughs) Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. No doubt about it. It was a great band. Jason Malad, our special guest. The book is called Adam is God, Eve is Us. Strange stories about aliens, angels, and the love of God from the book of Genesis. Now, we haven't gotten to aliens yet. We've gotten to angels, gotten from the love of God. We've talked about Eve is us, Adam is God. That leaves us, Jason, with aliens. <laughs> the most important part, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. No, not really. <laughs> not really. Um, I, I've always been interested in the strange and weird stories of the Bible. And... Um, the one that I had mentioned earlier, Genesis chapter 6, um, and if you guys want me to talk about it for a second, I can sum it up really quick. Sure. Um, basically, I had found that people were interpreting a word that was used then, Elohim, which is the sons of, of God. Um, they were interpreting it as, like, other things that didn't make sense. And I understood why, because they didn't want to talk about angels coming down and taking wives. That's weird. And <laughs> right. Well, when you follow it through, 
this is the way that I look at it. Every single place you see in the Old Testament where God is talking to somebody about fighting somebody or destroying something, he's not talking about humans. He's destroying these, these creatures, the offspring of the, the angels. And you see it, and this is like I said, it's weird, but it's part of the story. Because when you take it out of the story, you have Joshua just killing random people because God told him to. You know, you have David just slaughtering people because God told him to. It just doesn't make any sense. And that's why a lot of people are turned off by the Old Testament. They're yeah. like, man, this God is a blood God. He's going to kill everybody, you know? And, uh, you know, even like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah that's been told so wrongly for so long, where they talk about it was a city of, I don't know, homosexuals or something. And it's like, no, it was a city of people. It specifically says they wanted to have sex with angels. So once again, you see the Nephilim trying to return. So every time you see something, a judgment of some sort, there's always going to be something tied in with these evil forces. And then you get to the book of Daniel, where it uses this term. It talks about the end of times, and it talks about that there's going to be a kingdom that's going to be ceramic and iron, but it says that they will try to mingle with the seed of men, but they will not be able to. Now, the they in the Scripture is the part that, that really interests me, because who are the they? Well, there's no context in Daniel. It just refers to these other human—outside of being humans, there are these creatures that are going to try to mingle with the seed of men, and they will not be able to. Um, and then I had the story of, of Jesus, where he said, as in the days of Noah, so it shall be at the end of times. I mean, we see all these weird things in the sky. Um, in the Bible, there's a, there's a whole um, chapter where Ezekiel has this vision, and it's literally—it's a, a flying saucer. It, 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 people say it's like a wheel with eyes, but actually the word eyes in Hebrew is windows. And, it, and so you saw this crazy flying saucer, you know, and it was this whole thing with God. I think that there are extra-dimensional creatures. Some of them are good or some of them are bad. And for some reason, people are more comfortable calling them angels and demons. I, I don't like that because an angel, angelos, is a messenger. It's kind of like calling all humans mailmen, you know. It's just that's not a proper right, term. You right. know? I, I believe they're spiritual beings. Some of them are good, some of them are evil. The evil ones have done a lot of horrible things. And when people even use the word demon, it kind of you kind of miss the purpose. There's evil forces and good forces, and we're constantly at battle of these things. So the way that I look at it, there's good aliens and there's bad aliens. <laughs> Does that yeah. make <laughs> No, I could see that. I mean, so, that, that makes total sense. <clears throat> well, in my book, so basically I'm retelling the story from the perspective of, you know, if we take the religious side out of it, and look at it for a, a mythic book that was written, about, you know, a couple thousand, three, uh, you know, 2,500 years ago. And if we look at it from the understanding of the culture of the time and the way that people looked at things, it makes so much more sense. And so, yeah, some of these weird, what they call the grays with the big black eyes, you know, it talks about these watchers in the Old Testament. You know, a lot of people that have dealt with these aliens, you know, said that they're not even biological. They think that they're almost like a like an organic uh, computer that's going around watching things, with those big eyes and sending the messages back to something else. I don't know. I don't believe that. I just think it's interesting, and I think it's weird. You know, all the different things we hear about people, you know, supposedly admitting that there's, oh, there's aliens, there's UFOs, you know, high people in government, and like the minister over there in Canada. I mean, you've got people talking about it. I think the Bible gives a framework for understanding it. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. Jason, I have a tough question for you. Well, it might not be a tough question Good. for you. I also do a morning show in town, been doing it for 36 years, and on that show about a month ago I made a prediction, see if you follow, uh, your feelings follow, follow mine in this one. I do think, and I did say this on the air about a month ago, that because the world, and Australia, we just, my wife just showed me a video last night of these four cops beating the hell out of this guy, kicking him when he's down, all the rest of it, in Australia. There's no peace yeah. at all in, in the, the Eastern Hemisphere. There's very little peace in the Western Hemisphere. I really strongly believe that, uh, while it might not be religion, God's going to make a huge comeback in a lot of people's lives because people are so insane now. Who else are you going to turn to? You think yeah. Do you yeah. think God will make a big comeback in the next month or so? Months. <laughs> well, they need somebody. They need somebody right now. These people are crazy. Let's see if we can get God trending on uh, Instagram. Yeah, really. No, yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> no, I. Uh, this is what I think. I feel that people like myself. I don't think I'm special. I don't think I'm important. I don't think there's anything different from me than a lot of other people. That they're just voiceless. They don't have a voice, and I right, have a voice. I right. can say something. 
I think a lot of people are waking up. A lot of people are realizing that this garbage that people have been feeding us yep. uh, is not Christianity. It's not good. It's divisive. It's mm-hmm. it's not built on love and trying to fix the world. And you know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they're the children of God. I mean, that's what Jesus said. And um, I feel like people are going to wake up. And I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I think people are they're going to realize that's the only way they can turn because you have these yeah. crazy fanatics on one side, and you have the crazy fanatics on the other side. You know, the Bible says that you should be balanced. Balance is where you find it. I mean, I like how Ecclesiastes says it. It says that the wise man can hold both good and evil. Like, there's a balance between the two of them that you can find. And I think the problem is people just don't have that balance. I mean, even Buddhism is all about balance. And I, I love, there's a lot of teachings out of Buddhism that I enjoy. And I, I, I think it's something that if we don't decide to talk about it like we are, and if we don't decide to continue to push the issue and say, what's going on? Why don't people want to have peace? I don't think it's going to change. I think people have to talk about it like we are. And having these conversations, because I think people need to wake up and realize that love is the only thing that gets rid of hate. And it's like Martin Luther King says, love is the only thing that can get rid of hate. And I think if we try to do it any other way, it's not going to work. Well, my my entire take on religion is is that if you if you study all of the religious texts, they have the same threads in common. It and it is yeah. it is it is yeah. mostly love and peace. Mm-hmm. It's when people get mm-hmm. involved trying to control populations yeah. that we end up in trouble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I assume you're referring to the whole priest thing with the Catholic Church back in the day. I mean, yeah, absolutely. All of them. Every, um, every religion has yeah, their period where they were running run, run around true. slaughtering people, or they're justified yeah. in this. Well, and well, you, you have to do that because they don't believe the way you do. And your well, God tells you this. <laughs> That's exactly. going to get them to believe you. Yeah. This is what, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%, but that's where I see the, the doctrine of hell coming into place. Mm-hmm. Because since Christians can no longer physically hurt people and make them become Christian like they did in the Crusades, they're going to do it mentally yes. by whipping them yep. with this constant idea of hell. You're going to go to hell. And guilt. You know, Jesus died to get rid of guilt. I, I think a lot of people miss that. And People feel guilty about not going to church or feel guilty about, you know, uh, certain weird things that religious people tell them to feel guilty about. I know people that use, you know, marijuana, like medically, to try to get rid of some situations, and they feel completely condemned by their church, but they're like, this is the only thing that's working for me. Right. So it's like, to me, it's like, why would you create hell for somebody who's just trying to get healthy? And, and that's, it goes back to what I said, and I, I, I understand, I agree with you. I think when people get involved, they screw it up. And I am including myself. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not part of that. All of us. And I think that's why we have to be humble, like I said in the beginning. And because if we think that we know it all, that's usually when we don't. And I think that we have to be humble enough to accept that maybe we're wrong and maybe there's some things that we can change. I had to do that. And I've had to do that continually. Uh, how I think now is not the way I think about 10 years ago. And that's been a it's been a change. It's been a process. And I think if you're believing the same way you believed 20 years ago, you got to think of it this way. If something hasn't changed in 20 years, what is it? It's dead. It's a rock. It's, it's useless. Yeah. I think that if you really have a living faith, that it's going to constantly be growing and changing. And you're not going to have a problem when, when you know, two guys want to get married. You're not going to be like, oh, no. You know, you're not going to have a problem you know, with things like that. You're not going to have a problem with all the things that people get caught up on. Like I said, people using marijuana for medicinal reasons. You're not going to get caught up on those things because ultimately you're seeking out God, the God of love. And what can I do to make this world a better place? What can I do to bring peace on this world? So yeah, I agree. You're right. All the different religions have, you know, different slivers. I mean, the, uh, if you really get into studying the Old Testament, there's a ton of crossover between the Sumerians, different Ugetic, um, I can't even, Ugetic, I can't even say the name right, but a lot of the Mesopotamian base in there, I mean, you have all of these different religions that literally are word for word almost the book of Genesis. But instead of using God, they use Tiamat, or they, you know, or they use Dagon, or they use, you know, some other God. There's a, a lot of similarities, because I believe the truth is like that. The truth is there. We know that love is the way. You said that in the very beginning with, uh, you know, when you were seeking out your, your, your soon-to-be wife. You knew that that was, that was something. It meant something. It was noble. It was worth chasing. It was worth giving up time and money and, you know, whatever yourself so that you can have this love. It's there. It's in us. And it's in all religions. It's everywhere. But the point is, is that where is it taking you to? 
Is it going to take you to a place to where you make this world a better place? Or are you just going to find another reason to bow down to Mecca another time during the day? You know, are you just going to find another reason to say a Hail Mary full of grace and glory? I mean, if that's, is that really changing things? Is that fixing things? No, it's not. And I'm not trying to be critical of the Catholics or Muslims. I'm right, just saying in right. general. It's not, if that's what your religion is, you miss the point. If it's just putting your face on the ground and saying a few words to, to Mary, I mean, it's that, that's, not, that's not it. If, if, people, if people actually live the words of Jesus, nobody would criticize us anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's really it. Ladies and gentlemen, the book is called Adam is God, Eve is Us, Strange Stories About Aliens, Angels, and the Love of God from the book of Genesis. Jason Malott, M-A-L-O-T-T. I tell you what, Jason, it was a really, really nice conversation. I love the fact that six people could talk about God and religion and nobody got angry at anybody. There's hope. I'm just telling you, there's hope, Jason. (laughs) Oh, there is hope. There is. And this was great. I had such a fun time. And to tell you, you I had no clue I was speaking to six people. <laughs> yeah, most of us didn't so really thank say you. That was fun. Jason, thank you. Have a good day, sir. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Jason Malotley. Okay, now it's your turn to speak. Is that right? Well, you could have <laughs> asked him a question. Mom asked him a question. Ralph asked him a question. The two of you didn't. That's up to you. But what do you think? No, the reason I wanted to turn to you, Andy and Alex, is because you're in a different generation. Do you think, because things have gotten so harsh and so crazy and so out of line, do you think that a, a belief in a higher power, not necessarily God, but something bigger than you has got to come? That's the only way we're going to get out of this, don't you think, if you believe in something bigger than yourself? Well, I think that seems to be what goes on historically. Yeah, it is. The state takes over, a lot of people die, and then religion comes out of that. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened in Christianity. You know, the Romans were uh, yeah, doesn't worked out for China. crapping all over the place. It'll it'll happen eventually. China has never really been a very religious culture, though. They're no, one of the always. few cultures on earth that has been very like you know, they've got their like their ancestral minor stuff. religions, yeah. but no, well, it's very rarely ever been. They're more like. Uh, they revere historical figures. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, whoever's in charge is God, basically. Pretty much, yes. Mm, that's what the politicians are <laughs> and, working on no, right now. Oh, yes, it is. And it's no. interesting in China. It's interesting in China. The persecution there is uh, in Nepal, a religious mm-hmm. group. In They don't the, like, the, the, no, the, the, the CCP the Uyghurs, does not like religion. The Uyghurs, they're Muslim. So yeah. when you have these religious groups, and, and it's counter to what um, the government even before the rebellion, yeah. even before communism, it was like that. Oh, yeah. It's always been like that. Huh. Yeah. The, like, yeah. Huh. China's probably the biggest, like, de facto atheist state in the world, and always has been, I think. Hmm. You know, and, if even I, like Japan, they've never really been, you know, like, super religious, but there's always been something. There's always been... Buddhism or Shinto or whatever. Well, they're co- they're, plus their culture is their religion. Yeah, I mean, Shinto, that's basically the whole idea. <laughs> yes. is, um, yep. It's venerating your ancestors. But there's you... definitely there's aspects of the supernatural to it with the kami and everything, but I don't think China really does that so much. Yeah, but in, in Japan, if they're not religious, boy, they sure have a lot of temples and shrines. No, they where definitely pe- Where people express their, their belief system. Well, that's so, the thing. It's like, yeah, even the atheistic Japanese people, you know, they're going to be going to temples and praying for luck or success or whatever. That's just part of their culture. That's what they do. They don't see it as religious. They see it as like, you know, you pray for luck, you get luck. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah, well, one, one, of the things, one of the things that appealed to me about the Masonic organizations is that it's all driven by acceptance. Right, right. Acceptance of any belief in a higher power. So right. if you go if you go to uh, the lodge in um, um, oh where's the in in Japan half will be Christian half will be Shinto mm-hmm. or Buddhist you go to Turkey they're all Muslim mm-hmm. I mean it, it's just it's just this consistency and I and I've been told that in Jerusalem uh, half the mosque or half of the of the lodges Muslim or a third law Muslim third Christian third Jewish they're all together there right right all except so. You know, it's you know this idea of acceptance, and I mean, religion's going to be a part of it. Some a belief in something, you know, belief in something. So I have a question for you guys: Can you do you get through life without, without 
without thinking about, hey, there has to be something bigger than me. Because I, I could not handle living with human beings if I didn't believe there was a God or you a higher power. So you thought this is all it is? <clears throat> if I thought this was all it is, is you being a complete a-hole to everybody comes near you because they don't believe the same thing that you believe politically, that can't be the end of it. I mean, I'm sorry. I have to go... God, if you're there, get these people away from me because I don't want to be around. Well, your energy has That's to go somewhere. <laughs> That's my prayer. Energy doesn't just die out like that. No, it, it goes doesn't. someplace. It goes someplace, yeah. exactly. It's, Look. it's like the blessing in uh, uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, may God bless and keep the czar far, far away from Anatevka. <laughs> God bless and keep the, you know, all these people trying to stuff shoved up down my throat yeah. far, far away from me. I mean that's the whole deal. It, 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 do I do I believe in religion at the same level as a lot of people? No, because some people use that for hatred as well, which I just never understood. I'm going to use my God to hate you. You can what? use any. You can use atheism for hatred. You can use yes, exactly. state worship. You can use people's skin color. You can use anything. Yeah. See now that's the thing that, and I'm glad you brought that up because right now. Their big battle is skin color. Yes, it is. Yep. Everybody's puking out this skin color thing, this skin color, skin color, skin. All that is is trying to drive you away from one another. If it's not enough to be men and women, not enough to be straight and gay, if it's not enough to, oh, let's go to skin color because everybody can see that. Because there are some people that's too dim to understand the differences in religion and true. in culture and all the rest of it. But everybody can understand you're a different color than me. That's what this is really all about, you know. Yeah. I'm going to make money off of this because I realize that I can absolutely say you're different than me because you're a different color than I am. What a horseshit argument that is. Yeah, same thing. Well, sort of, <laughs> even in Africa. Oh, you're not wearing the right clothes. Oh, your nose shape isn't the right thing. Oh, so some yeah. Phys- yeah. Some Genocide outward physical has happened appearance. over things like that. Well, less than that. The Hutus and the Tootsies. That, that was the nose deal, right? You're not yeah. weighing in, Alex. What do you want me to say? I don't know. Pulusi Magumba. <laughs> Yeah, Can you say that? Just weird. <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean, don't look. How, you look at Fawn. Do you look at Sage and not go? Yeah, there's definitely a God. I don't know. I'm not religious. Well, I don't mean religiously. I'm talking I'm about something bigger. Spiritual, yeah, for sure. What's and it? I, I don't know. I what's, don't, the di- what's the difference between being religious and being spiritual? I suppose it's like organized religion. Yeah, religious. I, I don't need that either. I understand. Like I don't, I don't really think of. I don't know. I think of God sometimes, but I grew up going to Catholic schools, and yeah. so I think God's kind of part of my repertoire. But at the same time, when I th- actually sit down and think of it, I think of like the universe and the like greater good and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's all the same to me. That yeah, is, exa- that is yeah, God to me. Exactly. It's like, I I don't know. And like Fawn is going to a Lutheran school. And even though we're not, you know, organized religious Lutheran people, we, she asks questions about things. And I try to give her an explanation as best I can of like, okay, well, some people think that other people think this. And, it's up to you to decide what makes you feel good and live your life in a good way. And that's all you can really do. Because, as he said, the guest, if, you know, religion should bring you more positivity yeah, than absolutely. negativity. Because it's like, if you're just going to sit around and use your religion as like, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, how you live your life is wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. Which a lot of people do. I love that argument. But I think it's... In that way, people try to use it as like a control thing. Yep. Like, you are doing this, and I think it's wrong. Here's the Bible. Here's the Koran. Here's the Koran. Here's the, here's the, yeah. Here's the, here's the, yeah, what are everything. the Buddhists? Yeah, 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 yeah I, I look at this book, I guess. So I can tell you that you're wrong. Right. Because this says it, rather than just letting people live their lives. And it's like, are you happy? Are you kind? Are you stable? Cool. I don't care what you do then, you know. No, I understand. Well, look, you have to remember, in third grade, I already got in huge trouble because I disagreed with the priest. And I did get in big trouble for that. And my mother wasn't real happy, but when we got home, she went, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> she argued against me in front of the priest. 
<laughs> we were getting ready to go to confession so we could become, you know, Catholic and then have communion, right? And the only reason I'm retelling the stories because we're alphas. I don't think I've ever told the story in front of you, but but the priest came in and he was talking about this, that, and the other thing, and the nun was talking about this, and then the priest was talking, blah blah blah. And I didn't even mean to say it out loud; I just did. But the priest said, now remember, when you come into the confessional and you're speaking to me, actually you're not speaking to me. You're speaking to God because I, as a Catholic priest, am a direct conduit to God. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, did I get in trouble for that? <laughs> Holy God, they didn't like. So I was, let's see, I was seven, seven or eight years old. But yeah, that's like, I don't know, when, you, when do you have communion? I can't remember. Confession? We had, confe- we had confession in... Earliest I can remember, I was probably like twelve. I was. Were you that old? We, really? we had confession at St. Andrews. Yeah. So I was there yeah, for eleven third, or twelve, fourth, fifth. Yeah, I don't think confession's like sixth. a big thing. Communion's the big thing. But communion com- is a big deal. Yeah. But you got communion before like, seventh grade, though. What? You got communion and confession before seventh grade. Yeah, we had well, communion. No, I, mean, <clears throat> I had in St. Andrews. It was fifth and sixth grade. But, but I don't. I don't remember it before that. But it could have happened. But when, when Tom was young, confession was a much, much, much bigger. Oh, deal. Much oh more yeah. yeah, you didn't yeah. have you didn't have that mass where the priest just like went okay. Yeah, okay. confess your sins for three go. seconds, yeah. you're and then work out your sins, and you're good. But, no, but your no. comment, your, your your story is that you. At that age, you saw an inconsistency. Exactly. In in, in this whole thing, you go and you you said it. You know, I don't know if I'm going to believe that you're the direct con. Yeah, you, know, you can help me with this. But yeah, right. You, know, you can help me. You yes, help me that, exactly. And that, maybe that's why I look at uh, you know confession. I think it's a wonderful. I think it's a wonderful thing. One of the best things around. But it's you know in my belief system, I say, oh, you're not direct con, but you can give me a hand and get me through this and give me a lot of good. So I just remember going to confession and having to make up sins. Because I was like a little kid. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, yeah, like, I'm like, I, um, I, 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 I would say, I, I always said, I lied to my parents. Didn't even know if I did. That's how. That sounded like something I might do. I'm lying to a priest right now. Yes, I'm lying to you right now, Father. I was mean to my brother, which I probably was. Yeah. You know, there's something just popped in my head that I have not thought about, honest to God, in 60 years. What? The whole thing that when I went, no, you're not, is because I was arguing with my mother that she or women should be priests, too, because she ran our family, right? My mother ran our family because yeah. my father wasn't around, oh. so I thought that women should run things along with men. Well, I could see Toots being a kick-ass priest. <laughs> yeah, she'd be. A, so <laughs> when he said <laughs> I was a direct really conduit to God, that's why I went, no, you're not, because I was I asking my mother, why can't women be priests? I never did understand that. I because still don't understand it. Well, I don't know. It's like, why can't men be nuns? Yeah, because they why don't want to be. Because they're because men cause don't look good in a habit. Ma- nuns are married to God. Oh, oh God, I can't, oh, can't be oh, yeah. married. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's oh, a whole oh, tangled web we weave. That's, that's oh, the God, reason gotta, that they say. We got to move on. <laughs> Before the lightning bolt strikes. Exactly. We'll be back in a few minutes with our buddy Kristen Bird.